Welcome to Gravity, a podcast on the environment and human rights issues from the local to the global. This episode is the third and final instalment of our series on human rights in Serbia, an interview with Goran Miletic, Director for Europe at Civil Rights Defenders, focusing on the continuing discrimination faced by LGBTI persons in Serbia. This interview was recorded on September 26, 2017. Welcome to Gravity, Goran. Hi, hi. Um, my name is Goran Miletic and I'm Director for Europe at Civil Rights Defenders. Uh, Civil Rights Defenders is an international organization. We are a uh, global organization based in Stockholm and we are supporting human rights defenders globally in four continents. Uh, we are trying to support them uh, in any way, from uh, uh, increasing their capacity to work, to from uh, financial support or anything else that they need uh, uh, in order to uh, to achieve the best possible or the best possible results. Uh, my task include I've been uh, working in Europe and I'm. Uh, Quite, uh, quite, I have quite extensive experience in the Balkans, and I'm working as a human rights defender and human rights lawyer in the Balkans uh, since '90s. I was involved in so many, in many different actually initiatives. I mean, from a forming of first LGBT organization, Arkadia in Serbia, at the beginning of '90s, uh, to organizing some uh, uh, prides in Serbia, uh, adoption of uh, general law against discrimination in 2009 and many other uh, other legislation that are important for uh, citizens of Serbia. So, Goran, you just finished up organizing Pride Week earlier this month. I understand that for uh, quite a number of years, the parade was banned due to unfortunate incidents of violence. Uh, it's unfortunate that <laughs> there was violence to begin with, but it's also unfortunate that the government's response in previous years was to uh, ban the parade instead of ensuring security for the participants and that only in recent years that you've been able to hold uh, the Pride Parade in Belgrade. I was pleased to read reports that this year you drew quite a large crowd, including the presence of the current Prime Minister, who's the first female and first openly gay Prime Minister in Serbia, Anna Barnabic, as well as Belgrade's mayor, and was and it was uh, without any unsavory incident, as opposed to unfortunate episodes in prior years. I was also pleased to hear about the opening of the Pride Information Centre. May you please tell our audience more about the participation and reception of Pride Week this year and the establishment of the Pride Information Centre. Is this a reflection that Serbian society is finally more accepting? story about Belgrade Pride is actually a story about uh, security or, a or uh, about pretendence of the government of Serbia that they cannot provide security to the citizens that wants to gather on Sunday morning and march. Uh, you know, people people abroad maybe don't know, but Belgrade is quite empty on Sunday morning. People are not working and streets are, this is the only period during the week when seats are absolutely empty and people are not out. So we attempt for all those years since 2009 to, organizing, to organize Belgrade Pride that would be very planned, very uh, well prepared together with police and uh, with uh, other other uh, law enforcement officers. But it always got the answer that it's not safe, uh, that some hooligans will attack us and that uh, scenes that happened in 2001 when uh, uh, hooligans attack uh, spontaneously organized Belgrade Pride, uh, that this, these scenes will repeat and that we should not organize uh, such event. Consequently, 
Pride was uh, uh, was banned 2009, uh, 2010, 2011, 2012. So we have four bans of Belgrade Pride. Of course, we got uh, uh, decision of constitutional court that such uh, uh, bans were unconstitutional. However, I mean the the story about uh, about the security remained the same. 2010, we have uh, uh, about 7,000 hooligans who were very organized, who attacked about 7,000 policemen that were uh, that were protecting us, and that was really uh, the most uh, drastic expression of violence on, on uh, Serbian streets. However, after international pressure on. Uh, uh, 2013, when Pride was uh, banned for the last time. On 2014, we had the first successfully organized Pride without any incidents. That time, there was about 2,000 of us and 7,000 policemen uh, around us. Uh, 2015, uh, this number of policemen was decreased to uh, 6,300, while last year we have uh, 4,500 policemen. This year, number of policemen was quite similar to the number of participants, and there was about 2,000 policemen and 2,000 participants on the streets of Belgrade. However, uh, we still have clear message from the police and uh, uh, ministers and others that it is not possible to conduct such uh, planned uh, LGBT event, so event that is announced one year in advance and uh, that is that well uh, organized without uh, uh, significant presence of the police. That presence was not that visible this year, but uh, uh, it is still, we have information, official information, that 2,000 policemen was, was uh, around us. So uh, the question uh, for all of us is, where are those those 7,000 hooligans that attack us during uh, uh, during 2010 or 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 also one? They are they are citizens of Serbia. They are living in Serbia. So where where they are and why they are not on the streets? According to some experts, they are quite well controlled by uh, uh, by uh, security service by intelligence, and that's why they are not on the, at the streets at the moment. When it comes to participation of uh, Prime Minister and ministers. This, uh, of course, contribute to the uh, to the uh, to improve of uh, to improvement of security. But still, that's not uh, the only thing that we uh, uh, that uh, that was uh, important during this year. And I think that climate is changing uh, uh, slowly, but it's still it's still changing. I'm glad to hear that the security situation is getting so much better. Albeit, I wonder about the police presence it seems that you said there was nearly a one-to-one -one ratio of participants and police is that in itself a little intimidating uh i think that if i understood your question uh correctly uh i mean uh, we, we felt we felt more secure this year than during the previous years. In 2014, we were really afraid that someone will attack or something will happen. But this year, after uh, three successful prides, we, we felt more uh, more safely and much better. Or, or I, I didn't understand you correctly. I was just wondering whether such a strong police presence, ostensibly to preserve security, whether it's also there to curb freedom of expression. The whole story about around police in Serbia, it's very complicated. Police was involved in serious war crimes during the 90s, and as well as other uh, forces, I mean, army and paramilitary forces. So uh, the same people are actually in the police uh, yet, and they uh, they didn't have a proper dealing with the past or, or proper uh, um, 
how to say, facing with the, with the role of police uh, uh, in, in the 90s. Of course, they didn't have even illustration. So some some uh, some uh, similar people or same people are, are still the police. However, it is not possible in such homophobic society to do anything like this, to have parade like this without full cooperation with police. You must, uh, uh, not you, but we must cooperate with the police and, and uh, uh, prepare everything together with them. And uh, despite the fact that many of those policemen that are around us are very homophobic, they don't understand the uh, uh, LGBT community they uh, they have uh, they sometimes even uh, give some uh, uh, quite say homophobic statements but uh, uh, they understand that political will is like that that uh, uh, LGBT community is now perceived by uh, elite as someone who should be protect uh, should be protected uh, of course I mean elite don't have some uh, 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 how to say some some uh, uh, nice intentions because they they are working on protection of LGBT community only because this is some kind of uh, uh, wish for from Europe and uh, part of EU integration. So improvement of uh, uh, human rights uh, uh, implementation of human rights standards for LGBT community is something that is requested or demanded from Europe. So they must work on it, and consequently they ask from police to uh, provide protection. So this is very complicated uh, uh, relation between police and us. As a citizens, and uh, I mean, uh, at the end of the story, we cannot exercise uh, full freedom of assembly in a way that uh, that other that other citizens of Serbia extending because there are still a lot of threats uh, of physical elimination uh, when we are when we want to express our uh, sexual identity on streets. Well, that's unfortunate to hear. Now. You mentioned ascension to Europe. Serbia has changed numerous laws as part of the ascension process uh, to the European Union. In 2012, it, Serbia added hate crimes to its criminal code as part of this process, which explicitly includes crimes against people on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. And yet violence against homosexual and transgender persons continues to be such a pernicious problem. And it doesn't appear that the law is effectively enforced. Why do these crimes continue and why are they not adequately prosecuted? It's a it's a good question. I mean, and uh, uh, I think that that situation is quite simple in that regard. Uh, Serbia decriminalized homosexuality in 1994. That's quite late. Until 2000, we cannot talk about any protection of LGBT community. And then uh, after uh, Milosevic uh, regime was, was changed, after democratization, we call that period democratization of Serbia, many laws are adopted uh, in 2000, uh, since 2001. Uh, between 2001 and 2009, uh, with, uh, with uh, uh, anti-discrimination articles uh, where sexual orientation and quite often gender identity are mentioned clearly. So you cannot discriminate, uh, discriminate people according to labor law, law on public information, uh, law, education law, and many, many more. So we have about 15 uh, such legislation where sexual orientation mentioned explicitly uh, in the law. The key law is then, at the end, adopted in 20, uh, 2009, uh, 2009. It is general law against discrimination, and we have almost, uh, uh, al we have quite good uh, uh, legislative framework comparing even to some European countries. However, 
if you are talking about uh, implementation, situation is, uh, uh, I, must, I must use the word, horrible. I mean, because we don't have any implementation. Politicians are always ready or often ready to adopt some very advanced uh, legislation during European integration process and uh, during EU accession because they think that uh, uh, they will tick boxes and they will, you know, uh, please European Union by adoption of such law. And they are not thinking uh, enough if this, this legislation will be implemented. They will always find excuse and they will always blame cultural differences, tradition, mentality of the people, uh, not enough uh, capacity of administration or uh, that, uh, that uh, public officials don't, are not educated uh, enough to uh, implement some legislation. Of course, this is always uh, uh, some alibi and this is not uh, uh, something which is always, always true. People, uh, people and uh, public officials know to read the legislation, but they are, of course, uh, implementation of legislation often depends on their goodwill or, uh, or so. If, you, if uh, your rights are not fully respected, if your uh, rights uh, uh, guaranteed by law are not fully respected or they are violated, uh, you should complain to the, to the court and you should submit any, any application to the court and so on. Or when it's criminal, uh, something, uh, some criminal case, this should be done by prosecutor. Prosecutor office is absolutely not providing any protection uh, uh, to LGBT community, despite the fact that they are the only one who is responsible for any investigation. And they should order police if they should do uh, uh, something. So the prosecutor office is, is uh, absolutely not an ally of LGBT community or any or in any other cases that are related to some other minority groups like Roma, like people with disabilities or something like that. So we have very uh, uh, weak implementation and very uh, few cases where protection, legal protection is provided. When you come uh, before the court, judges are often uh, full of uh, 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 prejudice and stereotypes toward the uh, particular community. And it depends if judges is really, how to say, open-minded or he or she is not open-minded and so on. So you, you again depend on his good political will and consequently access to justice in total when you have a problem and when, when your human rights are violated are, are really uh, are really exceptional. So you have access to justice in exceptional cases while uh, impunity is rule in a majority of, of cases. So this is the situation with legal system. And of course, we as activists are always lobbying for better legislation for adoption of new laws, but implementation is still uh, is still a key problem, and it is good that the European Union identified that and that they mentioned that they will insist on on that uh, in the coming uh, in the coming period. Hopefully, as the ascension process moves forward, there will be more of an impetus to enforce the laws. Of course, the problem is that law doesn't exist in a vacuum; it must be interpreted and enforced within a cultural context that necessarily embeds its norms into it. And you mentioned earlier there's a very homophobic culture in the Balkans. I read a shocking statistic from the LGBTI Equal Rights Association for the Western Balkans and Turkey that two-thirds of the Serbian population believe that homosexuality is a disease. Now, if this shocking statistic is actually true, this can hardly lead to an accepting climate without change of that primary belief. How does the Serbian cultural context affect the implementation and enforcement of the laws that are meant to protect the LGBTI community? 
when I'm teaching, I'm always using one very good example uh, of uh, of cultural context and and you know differences. Uh, during uh, during communism between 1945 and let's say uh, for some republic of former Yugoslavia 70s and for Serbia as we can see until 1994. So depends uh, uh, about which period, but it, for for decades homosexuality was. Uh, forbidden by criminal code. And you can go to jail up to one year. First, it was up to two years, and then after that, it was up to one year. However, in reality, in communism, despite the fact that it was uh, that it was big taboo and it was uh, it was uh, forbidden, uh, communistic uh, uh, say communists did not uh, arrest people quite often. We have about in between 1951 and 1977 about 500 judgments uh, that uh, for uh, against homosexuals in the former Yugoslavia. So former Yugoslavia is consisted of so many republics: Slovenia, Croatia, Serbia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Montenegro, Macedonia, and then also uh, two autonomous regions like Kosovo and Vojvodina. So in all those republics, and today those are the countries are independent countries. I mean, they, you have only 500 uh, uh, judgments for this quite long period. In the same time, in this period, in the same period, in Western Germany, you have hundreds of thousands of such judgments. That the same is in Sweden, this is, is the same is in other Western countries. What I want to say is that, uh, uh, of course, in both, in both uh, uh, um, countries, in both, for example, in Germany and everywhere, homosexuality was banned, but law was implemented in those countries. While in, in Yugoslavia or here in this region, let's say Balkan region or from Yugoslavia, a law existed, but you know, they were simply government was not interested to implement it. So the culture of implementation of the law is quite weak in this, uh, uh, in this, uh, uh, in this let's say, region. And uh, if, if government, are in, if officials are not uh, uh, interested in implementation of some law, the law, the law will, be, will be there, but they will not be interested uh, in implementation. And you can, be, you can be very easy, how to say, uh, you can very easily avoid persecution. What was happening that time during the communism is that they, uh, instead of uh, arresting people and putting them in jail, they asked for some favors, I mean, to uh, became spy for the government, for communistic party and for intelligence uh, mainly. So these are the, the, the two, let's say, cultural differences. We have cultural differences of not implementing law he, laws here and uh, culture of impunity. While on West, if something is a law, this law will be most probably implemented. I'm not saying in 100%, but most probably such legislation, if we have adopted the legislation, you can expect in, in a high probability uh, that this law will be implemented. While cultural differences uh, here in the Balkans is that uh, even if you have legislation, I mean, most probably, uh, uh, let's say different, powerful structures that could be government or government officials or very rich businessmen, tycoons, will always find a way through corruption or any other way not to implement particular uh, legislation. Well, in the West, I would say there's also a problem with proper effectuation of the law, particularly as litigation costs close the doors of justice to the impecunious and the laws are enforced by those with the pockets to enforce them. However, it seems the problem may be more pervasive in Serbia right now. 
Now, you spoke of two distinct periods, the communist period where homosexuality was criminalized, but where criminalization of homosexuality was not enforced, and the democratization period and advent of decriminalization and anti-discrimination legislation, which is also not enforced. Now, if we look at the cultural context here in terms of the people enforcing the laws, under communism, religion, you know, was seen as the opiate of the masses. Uh, it wasn't popular. It was looked down upon. And after the fall of communism, the Orthodox Church has become more prominent. And I wonder whether the current rife discrimination is due to the church's influence in part. Absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, Orthodox Church is, is really powerful in Serbian society. And pretending that uh, uh, their role is not that, that uh, big is would be very, uh, uh, how to say, uh, very problematic than uh, someone who is saying that is not uh, quite uh, uh, quite honest. Uh, we have a communistic party that was uh, almighty during the communism, and Orthodox Church was absolutely uh, what was not destroyed, like in Russia or in some other countries. But Orthodox Church was a kind of very, very. Uh, uh, were like like some some kind of small group and then the people were uh, communistic party uh, left to to citizens to decide if they will practice uh, some religion of course practicing religion at that time was not popular but some people practice religion especially old people in uh, in villages and something like that uh, in general the whole population uh, respected uh, uh, Easter or Christmas, and it was just like some uh, small, interesting holidays, but no one re in reality uh, 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 practicing religion. And I think it was very clever from uh, from Yugoslav communist uh, government not to fully uh, exclude uh, church from public life. They just uh, did it in very nice uh, way and without pressure. So they told, okay, you can practice religion, but it's not according to our uh, socialist uh, 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 socialist system and so on. But they didn't press people like in some countries like Albania or Russia. However, after the fall of communism, what's happened uh, uh, when uh, uh, communist party were dissolved and transformed, uh, actually all religions fill the gap in all countries of, of uh, former of former Yugoslavia, and they became quite, uh, let's say, almighty uh, in, uh, in in many in many countries. When it comes to Serbia, Serbian Church became really almighty, became very powerful, and people need some kind of new new communist party, some new uh, uh, moral, um, how to say. Uh, moral authority for everything what they what they are doing, and uh, uh, I think that uh, Orthodox Church filled that gap. Uh, and the second thing is uh, after the fall of communism, uh, church demanded from authorities to give them back all property that communists took them uh, away in, in 90, took them uh, in 1945. Uh, and of course, uh, they got uh, a lot of property. They are, uh, they have a lot of money, and they are extremely influential and, and powerful. Of course, uh, that this uh, uh, this influence was very uh, visible when it comes to LGBT community. Uh, church absolutely don't want to talk in any way about LGBT people. For them, LGBT people are are uh, sick people. Uh, we are, uh, uh, we are. I mean, we should not express uh, homosexuality in any way. 
patriarch, the main bishop of uh, Serbian Orthodox Church, Patriarch Irina, mentioned several times that this is Sodom and Gomorrah, and they're quite often having statements uh, a day or two before uh, Pride, saying that uh, uh, government should not support such uh, expression of uh, homosexuality and stuff like that. So they are very much influential. And uh, when we did the res researches about uh, homosexuality, uh, it's a huge number of people, a huge percentage who is saying that if uh, uh, homosexuality is uh, uh, something, uh, let's say, good, uh, our church will, will, will support it or our church is, will not be uh, against it. So uh, such percentage uh, is uh, uh, is quite uh, uh, is quite high uh, is quite uh, uh, let's say high in Serbia and uh, um, and uh, I mean it is it is quite uh, it's quite some other percentages for example uh, that that uh, you know, they they think it's quite similar to the percentage of people that believe that homosexuality is illness. For example, 66% believe that homosexuality is illness, while 64% of, of uh, citizens of Serbia agree with the, with the following statement. If homosexuality was normal, the church or re my religious community would approve it. So that 64% is quite high, and uh, and we can uh, uh, we can we can see that influence of Serbian uh, Orthodox Church is very is very high when it comes to this uh, to this issue, or and also uh, all other religious communities. In 2009, when we were lobbying for law uh, a law against discrimination, church uh, or one of the main bishops of Serbian Orthodox Church called President Tadic that time, and they stopped uh, adoption of the law over the night. Law was withdrawn from the procedure at 7 o'clock in the evening, uh, despite the fact that uh, uh, debate about that law in the parliament should start uh, in the morning at 10 o'clock. The only reason for the uh, withdrawal of that law was the fact that sexual orientation is clearly mentioned in that law. And that example is telling us how powerful uh, Serbian Orthodox Church is and uh, how uh, important, let's say, for them is LGBT question, how they call it. So we've been discussing how the law is not exogenous to culture and how the cultural context affects both the interpretation and the enforcement of law. But then there's also the other side to this, right? There's laws affect on culture, for they have an inextricable and dynamic relationship. Laws develop new cultural norms, which in turn affect new laws and their implementation. So, for instance, the current hate speech law, even if it's not strongly enforced, the fact that it's enforced at all, even minimally, it minimizes some hate speech that influences a new generation, one that will hopefully be more open and accepting and one that will be implementing these laws and implementing them in a manner to actually <laughs> enforce them. Now, perhaps that's a Panglossian view. Uh, what is your opinion as to the future of implementation of laws protecting the LGBTI community in Serbia? And on another note about future implementation, how much is the EU driving enforcement? I think that the, the question of implementation uh, is, is crucial. And of course, we should, we should have different allies. I mean, uh, from European Union, from one side, who is now insisting uh, to us in, within the country and uh, who are trying to 
how to say, to, to contribute to the better implementation by submitting uh, different uh, uh, con criminal complaints or other complaints or, or, or uh, 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 making partnership with other, with other groups uh, or we are trying, uh, we are trying to di different ways to, uh, to say motivate media to more cover, uh, to more cover, cover those stories. It is quite complicated situation uh, at the end, and I'm not sure that uh, implementation in the coming period will be will be much better because we we have that demand on implementation for years, for more than ten years, and we don't see that the government is doing uh, anything. Uh, and uh, in the context of Serbia today, uh, uh, EU is accepting. Uh, weak implementation of international human rights standards because Serbian government promised that they will de deliver two things. The first thing is Kosovo negotiations, so it means negotiation with Kosovo. They, they, will, they will deliver something in relation to Kosovo. They, they are negotiating with Kosovo, which is very important aspect of stability uh, uh, for uh, EU. And that means that we will not have wars again, that we will not have unsolved conflict or frozen conflict or something like that. And the second thing, they promised stability in the country. And that stability at the moment in the country became stabilocracy. Uh, and then that means that we have a stable instability. This instability is, uh, uh, means that we don't have rule of law, we don't have freedom of expression, but that's, that picture is very stable and we don't have internal conflict, we don't have revolution or something like that. So it's very uh, stable instabili instability where EU is, becoming, uh, is, uh, is pretending that uh, Serbia is fulfilling the minimum standards that are uh, that are important, I mean, minimum human rights standards. While Serbia, on on other hand, is uh, 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 pretending that, that that they are trying to to improve implementation of those standards. Uh, we have uh, all those things on on table. We, as civil society, cannot uh, uh, do some things instead of the government. We can provide some education for duty holders. We can uh, try to do as much advocacy as possible, but we are, uh, we are at the end, we are not almighty. We cannot uh, uh, implement law uh, uh, instead of uh, courts or prosecutor office or duty holders or executive branch. So we, uh, it is uh, this game that is uh, at the moment on, on table. And what I can see at the moment that uh, uh, this will not be changed in the coming future, despite the fact that the uh, younger generation are very impatient uh, uh, when it comes to uh, better implementation of standards, uh, some changes uh, and stuff like that. In the coming period, in next year, we will have uh, uh, changes of constitution of Serbia. We will probably after that have new elections. After that, we will probably have adoption of some other other laws or maybe more, not maybe, for sure, we will have new negotiations with Kosovo. And that means that uh, human rights or anything related to human rights will absolutely not be topic or not be priority of this government. So uh, uh, consequently, EU is always is also sending message that we will not be a member of EU or that we will not be and we will not join uh, uh, Cup before 2025, so I think uh, that, that this picture is quite uh, uh, clear what will uh, what will happen uh, happen here. Small 
and important steps will happen in the meantime, in coming 10 years. The steps are like uh, adoption of uh, some law, maybe even law registered partnerships, or uh, something uh, like parade. That, that these things will happen, definitely. But some crucial changes in implementation of the law will not, uh, will not happen uh, in the coming period. We still have cases like a uh, uh, case uh, uh, from, uh, from Café uh, Safaria in the center of Belgrade, where four uh, lesbians were uh, heavily beaten twice in a, uh, in a very short period of time, in uh, in, in half an hour. Uh, there was a, a CCTV, there was uh, many witnesses, and they were beaten by uh, uh, hooligans and football supporters who are neo-Nazi. Uh, so we have video footages of those uh, beatings, but still no one is arrested. Uh, despite the fact that it is absolutely possible to identify uh, those perpetrators. So impunity is still widespread, and I don't expect some changes in the coming period in that regard. Well, that's unfortunate to hear. Well, at least in the near future, there will be a law for domestic partnerships, and that's the first step in recognising the equality of all relationships, which, well, unfortunately, few countries realise today. Uh, but uh, we're progressing. <laughs> I understand that if there's to be a progression, however, in Serbia on that issue, there needs to be a constitutional change because of Article 62, which explicitly defines marriage to be between a man and a woman. How do you see the progression of family rights for the LGBTI community in Serbia? Well, article that article of the constitution says that um, marriage is a, is a union between man, man and woman. Uh, while uh, some other unions, we, we call it non, non-marital uh, unions, I mean, uh, are, uh, uh, or cohabitation or so on, are, uh, are, are equally, uh, equally, let's say, equalized with, with the marriage. Uh, and that, then now we have a question of interpretation of that article. Is that uh, according to one uh, part of legal community, that means that uh, uh, that you cannot uh, that, that you cannot prescribe by law that registered partnerships uh, could be guaranteed for uh, sex couples. However, according to the big number of uh, of legal experts, even the the ones that are a big group of uh, of them that are writing now a civic code, uh, constitution allow. Uh, uh, allow um, Parliament to adopt a law on registered partnership because they are saying that uh, uh, registered partnerships are or, or, or any forms of non-marriage union are are the, the same uh, as uh, a marriage, but not uh, excluding uh, same-sex couples from that. Uh, at the moment, it looks that uh, this article is not uh, a problem for uh, for lawmakers, for the parliament, and uh, there is a political will, uh, say not a big political will, but initial political will uh, that we have that law adopted in the, in the uh, coming period. What is uh, uh, clear evidence of it uh, is the fact that the, this law is uh, prescribed as, uh, in action plan for fight against discrimination. So government put that law as, uh, as something that will be adopted in the coming period. And it, it, that I think that that uh, action plan is for coming five years. So we can expect that uh, uh, some changes will hap uh, happen uh, in the near future. I cannot uh, uh, be sure that uh, during the changes of constitution, article uh, about marriage will be changed. 
it is very hard to say now what will happen. But of course, uh, uh, civil society and LGBT organization will, will lobby for it, and they will clearly demand uh, that this uh, article uh, should be uh, should be changed, and uh, um, this this part of article should be erased. However, despite everything, even if we have absolutely the same article in the future, uh, law and legislative partnerships is now is now on the table. Uh, we don't know when we can expect adoption, and uh, we don't know. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, what how this this uh, process of adoption will look like. What we know is that none of political parties. Uh, on uh, on uh, that is on the government, uh, Serbian Progressive Party, nor some parties, uh, pro-European parties in opposition, are against uh, uh, against such legislation. So we can have majority uh, from some perspective. Only uh, some clear right-wing parties like Dveri, uh, like Serbian Radical Party, uh, and uh, uh, some party of United Serbia, and uh, uh, could be against it. But this, but number of deputies is, let's say, that they are clearly and openly against it. But that number, uh, number of deputies is not is not uh, not big at the moment. The key. The key thing at the moment is that we have a strong uh, uh, advocacy campaign uh, uh, in media and in public, and I think that this uh, this fact is quite uh, uh, quite complicated in an environment where we all the time have elections, all the time have some political tensions, and all the time have uh, some kind of instability. In such period of instability, demanding something that could be uh, potentially uh, conflicting is extremely is extremely problematic. And I think that we are slowly uh, coming into the, the, the momentum when we will uh, when we will demand. For the first time this year during the Pride, we didn't demand only uh, discussion about this law. For the first time, we, we demand adoption of that law. So for us as an LGBT community, that was a uh, big step because uh, for the first time we clearly demand uh, such adoption, while before, because of uh, uh, quite homophobic environment, we only uh, demand discussion about such legislation. We believe that this is a time for uh, discussion, and the time for uh, during the change of constitution is time for really uh, for putting this uh, uh, this uh, uh, law finally into procedure. But it's very hard to predict how this uh, this procedure will go and what will happen in the coming period. I'd like now to discuss transgender rights and the discrimination faced by transgender persons, arguably the most vulnerable persons in the country. I was pleased to see, though, that there was there's a recent law that requires the government to pay gender reassignment surgery for any person wishing to undertake it. But I'm worried you're going to tell me now that it's not implemented. Um, what is the discrimination faced by transgender persons in Serbia today? And what are the primary next steps for their protection? We have some... Um let's say lucky moments uh, in, in the in the history when homos, uh, when a communist government uh, adopted the law on a so-called personal name they prescribed they didn't talk about gender or sex or so on they just mentioned that everyone can choose uh, his or her name uh, and this name uh, the, the only uh, exception is or or uh, uh, or rule is that that name should not be against the moral uh, the moral uh, the, uh, against public moral. So that consequently mean that it was 
more or less if you have uh, some kind of goodwill of police, you can change your name after you change your sex and then you do uh, uh, surgery. If you are a trans person that uh, don't want to do surgery, you cannot change your name absolutely because the police will uh, will uh, will automatically uh, uh, decide or conclude that this is against public moral. Uh, in the in the modern period, I mean, we have a lot of uh, uh, gender uh, surgeries in 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 Serbia, and uh, and we, we we have a lot of them that are that are doing such operation during the year. However, when you when the government is uh, uh, government decided 2012 uh, to to pay such surgeries and gender assignments, uh, and uh, despite the fact that the government is paying that. We still don't have a law that will uh, regulate the uh, legal consequences of, of sex change. Uh, this is uh, something uh, uh, quite uh, problematic. And today we had a meeting as a coalition against discrimination uh, with the uh, Ministry for Public Administration and uh, local self-government. During the meeting, they promised that in, uh, that in, in coming weeks, uh, they will finally propose uh, changes of uh, uh, on law on birth certificates and birth books, well, they will uh, prescribe the uh, the, uh, the procedure for changing of the unique citizen's number because every citizen of Serbia has its own unique number. And the problem with that unique number is uh, uh, one of those digits out of 13 digits in that number is a digit of sex. So even if you change your name, uh, that digit will remain the same. And according to law, to the present legislation, you cannot change. And your uh, employer or anyone else can see that you change uh, 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 that what was your uh, uh, sex uh, on doing your on your, on your birth when you when you uh, when you uh, when you were born. Uh, so this is quite problematic, and uh, according to these changes that are promised today, uh, we will have a procedure, very clear and simple procedure, to change that uh, that um, uh, that unique citizen number. However, this will be only half of the solution because people that that uh, trans person that are somewhere in the middle of pro process, somewhere in the middle of procedure, uh, someone who who just uh, uh, start hormonal therapy but without. Uh, uh, surgery. I mean, they will not be able to uh, to demand change of name and change of uh, uh, unique citizen number. This is uh, still a big problem, and I don't see political will for adoption of uh, law and gender identity. And this is something what government is uh, uh, still rejecting. But uh, this ha half of the solution, uh, I guess, will be adopted uh, adopted quite soon. Uh, of course, trans community is uh, very much prosecuted, both by uh, sometimes by police. Uh, uh, they are they have all aspects uh, quite uh, uh, quite negative uh, toward them. The whole system uh, is quite uh, uh, quite negative toward them, and uh, in any aspect, they are sharing destiny of the rest of the LGBT community. But of course, trans community has their own. Uh, uh, own problems uh, and they are absolutely uh, are not uh, un uh, understood by the government and by duty holders. This episode focuses on LGBTI rights in Serbia, but we can't really discuss LGBTI rights without discussing freedom of expression generally. And I understand that this is currently being restricted in Serbia right now. What is the current state of freedom of expression in Serbia and how does this affect the LGBTI community? Freedom of expression is um, 
let's say, starting and ending point in, in Serbia. Starting point because we are we are transitional country, and we are trying to change uh, everything in the country to change, uh, 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 let's say, accountability of duty holders to get to have responsible government, to have uh, pluralism in society, uh, to have democracy at the end of. However. Uh, we still don't have the key starting point. We don't have freedom of expression that is respected by the government. And every government, more or less, especially this present government now, is not uh, uh, happy with any critical voices. And they are, of course, trying to silence all independent media, all independent, uh, uh, all investigative journalism, and any freedom of expression that is not uh, that is not uh, uh, that is critical to our government. So you can have uh, everything. Uh, you can have uh, your freedom of expression if you agree with the government, or if you are not criticizing government, or if your uh, if your freedom of expression is connected uh, to something that is not a uh, problem for the government. That is not uh, uh, that is not in connection of uh, interest of the political party that is on, on the power. Consequently, we almost we don't have free media. Almost all uh, media are are absolutely controlled by the government, or this or that way. And this control is not censorship in a classic way that uh, we have uh, censorship like in communism. But those media are controlled by advertising, by marketing, because. Uh, uh, in Serbia, we have only three or four marketing agencies, and they own absolutely 95% uh, of uh, advertising. And if you are a media, electronic media, or printed media, or anyone, you need, in order to survive, you need advertising. And those agencies will not provide you uh, with big companies who will advertise you uh, if you are if you're criticizing the government. So that means that we have a couple of independent media. They are very small. We have one daily with circulation of only four or five thousand copies, which is nothing. Then we have a uh, uh, one uh, television cable TV that is uh, that is having very limited uh, uh, coverage, and it's only only cable and uh, having limited coverage in Serbia because uh, uh, cable is not. Uh, uh, accessible to all citizens of Serbia. At the end, internet is remaining the key uh, space for freedom of expression in Serbia. If you want to express yourself or anything or, or your views, your ideas or anything, you are using internet in Serbia. And that's uh, also something key for the for LGBT community or for any other uh, minority community, vulnerable groups, and so on. This is a key for us that are trying to lobby for adoption for, of some legislation or that are trying to advocate for some change or let's say any change. This is a key space even for art, because if you want to, uh, uh, if you are want to, if you want to uh, do some artistic work. Many public spaces and galleries, or or uh, pub, or other public spaces, uh, could be close to you if you are criticizing uh, uh, government with your theater play, with your movie, with your artistic work, and so on. So, internet is at the moment uh, the only uh, free space 
which is the only uh, place where we have we can exercise freedom of expression. And we are lucky that like uh, some countries in, I don't know, Belarus or Turkey or Russia or some countries in Asia, Africa, we don't have limitations when it comes to Internet. Well, it's good to hear that the internet continues to be a disruptive force and an avenue for free speech in the midst of growing government control over more conventional media forms. You had expressed to me that one of the reasons you're giving this interview is to encourage international solidarity for the LGBTI movement. May you please tell our audience why international solidarity is so important to overcoming the struggles that the LGBTI community faces in Serbia? I think that uh, it is always good to underline how international solidarity is important in today's world. Uh, 30 years ago, uh, people understood, people from abroad and uh, from I don't know, United States, Canada, or Western Europe, or I don't know, in other Latin America, whatever, they understood, we understood how much important is international solidarity when we was doing that uh, uh, through typing machines. Today, in a world when we have Facebook or social media, or we are just typing likes, we maybe forgot how international solidarity is important. And when we are fighting for a justice or for a democratization, for any change, uh, it is important uh, uh, that we have international solidarity. International solidarity could be uh, uh, interview like this, could be any form of support that anyone anyone uh, can provide. And uh, when uh, 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 a limited number of activists in such countries like Serbia feel that they are not alone, that they are supported on any way from abroad, this is uh, giving our small power and, en and energy and motivation to work. Uh, on the other hand, if we feel that we are uh, that no one is interested in, in what's going on in uh, in particular country. It's not only Serbia. There are so many such countries globally. I mean, people are simply deciding that this fight is not good enough and that they should leave the country and stop uh, fighting. So I'm just uh, uh, sending some kind of appeal that uh, we should have more uh, international solidarity in any form. Anyone can do any kind of form of solidarity if uh, uh, someone is artist, he or she can, can come and uh, contribute with uh, with an art or, or his or her work. A journalist can write about situation of Serbia or you can do anything else what you know uh, know to do and with, uh, with uh, what you can help. So this is my message, I guess. Uh, yes, yes, I agree. That's one of the reasons I do this podcast. And I do hope our audience shares this episode with their networks and communities. Uh, thank you very much, Goran, for your time today. You've been very insightful on the issues facing the LGBTI community in Serbia and the state of the human rights today. Thanks a lot. I hope you have found this podcast insightful and will join us next time as we explore more issues affecting our environment and human rights at home and around the world. For more materials on this issue, please go to our website, thegravity.fm.